You're listening to Love Mary Jane, a big talk podcast helping relationships thrive in the modern cannabis culture. I'm Joanna Newding, a cannabis lifestyle guide, published relationship writer, and host of Casually Baked the Podcast. And on Love Mary Jane, I'm your armchair life coach. Oh, that I'm asking, just a little phone call. If you're at a crossroads and the intersection is cannabis and relationships, put it in park. You're in the right place. So give me what you got. Engage by submitting your story in cannabis-infused relationship questions at lovemaryjane.net. Each episode of Love Mary Jane will feature a letter seeking advice or insight into a relationship affected by cannabis. Romantic, familial, professional, personal, nothing is off limits. Wherever you're struggling, I will hand-select a friend, colleague, or expert that feels appropriate to join me in the studio to help me empower you to make the best decision. This is Love, Mary Jane. Erin Beata, welcome back to the studio. Hello, hello. So lovely to be back with you. I know. I actually just kind of quit doing this until you called me up and was like, hey, we got to talk about this virtual dating thing. Yeah, it's um, it's big right now. It is. It's necessary right now. And Love Mary Jane has been taking a really long nap. So she's awake. <laughs> she's casually baked. She's ready to talk about virtual dating with you. Yes, love is in the air this year through all the chaos. There's a lot of love being born. Well, I myself have been single and dating and I've had my own experience, but I want to know from you, just like, what does the scene look like right now? Yeah. You know, in, in early March, it was a really interesting time because, you know, I think for all of us, everything went on pause, including any sense of, of trying to date or meet anyone. And I think that within a few months of us all being quarantined, one of the main things that ended up being highlighted through that time was the importance of our personal relationships. And for me, oftentimes what I've seen is that there's so many distractions that we have in our social life and through our work situation that we're often not aware of the deeper longing that we have for partnership. And I think that that's been really one of the things that's been highlighted for a lot of people during this time. So I think now more than ever, people are getting clearer and clearer on what they really, really want from a relationship and also what they're not willing to put up with. Like the game has changed. And to me, it's changed in a really positive direction um, in some ways. Yeah, if you're trapped at home and you're in a bad relationship, uh, you get really clear really fast on what you don't want. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I know we've been hearing all kinds of different stories from that, but I've seen some people really take a stand for their deeper desires that they in the past were, I think, a little bit afraid to lean into or they were leaning on things like a, a great social life or a, a workspace that fulfilled um, what they thought was like, oh, okay, well, this relationship is all right. You know, this will do. This is good enough. Yeah, because my other needs are being filled <laughs> yes. other places. Right, right. And and now those relationships um, are really seen for what they are. And I think that's for some people, they've really seen that, um, wow, with this extra time and nourishment, there's there's something flourishing here. And then for a lot of other people, they've really realized wow, you know, if there was ever a time to really truly live who I am, you know, what am I doing with someone who's misaligned for, for myself and also for them, you know, cause it's not fair to stay in a relationship either because it's comfortable for you when, you know, the other person might not be happy either. Absolutely. And then there's the person like me who lives alone and works alone. And you're like, if you don't virtually date, uh, Nobody's going to come find you in there. Yeah. And the the interesting thing to me, it was one of the things, um, you know, as a matchmaker, I think that a lot of people end up working with matchmakers because they don't like the online experience. 
um, or they don't have time for it. And so they're, they're working with you as a, a headhunter in a sense, um, just like they would if they were looking for a position for someone in their company. So they use it as a way to optimize time, um, you know, and with, with there not being now all these extra outlets to go to and we're sort of trapped in certain ways of meeting in this online space, um, there's a lot of opportunities in every single direction to uh, get creative and also for things to get really boring. Because I think last year I really started to notice that the the swiping game was starting to see diminishing returns. You know, it's it's been around for long enough now that, you know, it's not that same user experience where you get that little rush of a high when you, you know, you both swipe in the same direction and that match pops up and, you know, some kind of little chemical thing happens in your brain that gets you excited. Um, and now people are just kind of like, oh, okay, another match, another person that I'm going to message high and then wait for a reply. Yeah. What is up with that? That's just terrible. <laughs> and I will say that, you know, I'm still swiping, but I am a discerning swiper. Like there's not a swipe. lot of people, there's not a lot of right swipes in my life these days mm. because I've gotten so exhausted from the, oh great, I have 10 matches and then I have to have exhausting high conversations with the people. I have to be high to have those <laughs> high, how are you conversations with people that are really not trying to engage in a way that makes them stand out or seem interesting. And I don't know, I've gotten bored with it. So instead I'm just trying to be more discerning of like, they have kids and they don't want more or what religion are they? Is this going to be an issue for me? Or they are 40 years old and they say they want kids in the future. Well, I'm 44. Sorry. You know, swipe left, ship sailed. <laughs> yeah. No geriatric pregnancies here. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where I think it can still be a valuable tool if you use it in a different way instead of it being that swiping game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, now we also have this added layer of, you know, looking for where the compatibilities are. But now there's also the added layer of and what are your, you know, COVID lifestyle practices? Because that is a place where there has been so much coming to the surface around people who are either aligned in their practices or are misaligned. And I've seen people who have been so excited about starting a connection and then a month into the relationship, um, someone gets really, really triggered by someone who has looser boundaries around how they're treating our current climate and situation versus people who are erring on the opposite side of being extremely cautious. Yes, that's interesting you say that because I was experiencing that as well. And so my very first engagement now is a test the waters about where people are on that. And I find out immediately if they say we're aligned on it or if our views are different on it. And I'm like, great information. Peace be with you. Yeah. Live long and prosper, motherfucker. But we're not going out on a date. Yeah. And it's just so refreshing to know that immediately before you get four dates into it or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it, it, it ends up also touching on a lot of our own um, moral constructs and what we truly believe in and those deeper belief systems. And for me, I even break it down further. Do you live a fear-based life or are you living a hope-based life? How are you looking at this situation? What is your perspective? By the way someone answers that question, they're telling me a lot about how they move through the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really true. And I also think that there what I'm noticing is that there is a, a finesse in how certain people can communicate their their needs and their desires around how they're wanting someone else to show up or what their expectations are, or what their boundaries are. Because 
especially when you don't know someone and especially in the climate we're in, it's really easy, even on an energetic level, I think virtually to be like, I'm a no to this and I'm a yes to this. And that like harshness <laughs> is a lot when you don't know someone, you know, it's just like, whoa, okay. And it, it can put someone on edge, you know, and I've, I, I was working with a, a gentleman who has elderly parents that he has been visiting pretty frequently during this time and was doing a lot of online dating and I mean, this guy is amazing in so many ways and he's so open-minded and he, he's such a great catch. And then when he started showing me the ways that he was communicating his needs around this, um, I just felt my whole body start to contract. And I was like, oh, wow, if I was to receive this, I would think this guy was an asshole and self-centered and all of these things. So it's really easy to see how sometimes even small fears that we have or ways that we're wanting to protect the people around us that we care about who might be in a vulnerable risk group um, can end up coming across as actually um, like a barrier that you're putting up for connecting with someone versus a way of um, communicating that still allows for there to be connection. Yeah, because it's coming from a place of love and respect for, you know, the people who brought you into this world. (laughs) So yeah, I can see if like, I don't want to be responsible for getting my parents sick, but yes, it is all in the delivery. And that's what makes having a matchmaker and a dating coach and or a dating coach so important because if they're getting that feedback, then now he can come to you and say, okay, help me. (laughs) help me figure out how to say this the right way because I feel so much that yes I'm able to do that easily but I'm a professional writer and I wrote for a matchmaking firm for three years I know how to communicate my needs in a way that is kind and honorable to the other person that's a skill set yeah it is a skill set and I think oftentimes we end up having um unconscious expectations of of things too and this is a new reality that we're in so everything's kind of sometimes in that gray area where I've even experienced for myself because I need to be very mindful of this now with the way that I introduce people and making sure people are on the same page where I've set someone up on a a socially distanced date um, where one of them really all of a sudden felt the need to wear a mask while they were distanced outside and she was wearing glasses and like it's her first date she was getting nervous the glasses are getting fogged up and then she's getting in her head about it so she like takes her her mask off to like wipe her her face down a little bit and then all of a sudden he kind of like turns away and then it makes her feel like oh wow he's not into me and so it's like body language ends up playing so much of a part of this. And I just really feel for people right now because if dating wasn't already bringing up people's shit in the past, like there's a whole new level of nuance um, and body language that is challenging to read when we can't see each other's faces. Oh yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. And, um, and what's so uh, hilarious is, okay, I don't like wearing masks and I wear them when I go to the grocery store. You know, I, I work at home by myself. I'm fucking socially distanced from everybody. <laughs> but when I'm in the store, I'm a smiler. I talk to people, I smile and I look like a bandit, you know, with my <laughs> bandana around my face and sunglasses on and I'm smiling and I'm like, Joanna, nobody can see any part of you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just ridiculous. And I'm just like, how do people connect in this space right now? (laughs) You know, you've got to use a lot more inflection in your voice and smile when you talk, even though they can't see you underneath that mask because you can hear a smile and a voice. You can also hear a frown in a voice. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been so funny. And and from an attraction level too, you know, that 
that same couple when they they ended up going out to a you know a fairly socially distanced dinner and then when the mask finally came off she was like oh wow i actually am attracted to him and she was on the fence the whole time you know and and you you can read so much that way um yeah. you know which i think is really interesting and I also think is interesting because the dating industry online in a virtual space is changing so much right now. Um, and so I think that bringing in more video conversations and having more FaceTime conversations is important. Oh, yeah. It is the year of the video chat. Yeah. I actually don't mind having a first date being virtual like that because, I mean, when you live in the Bay Area, just even now figuring out where to even meet someone like say someone wants to have a coffee with you where the fuck are you gonna do that you know i mean and it's just like trying to figure out and they're in san francisco you're in oakland and you're gonna meet for a socially distanced coffee like give me a fucking break and so you know having that video chat at least the first time it can at least tell you if it's a hell yes or a hell no yeah that's actually been the new sort of shift that that I've encouraged people to have. You know, generally speaking, when people meet up, they might say hello over a phone call, which I still encourage. But it's nice to be able to have an intentional video date before you meet up with someone in person now, you know, and I have to say, I know we were chatting about this earlier about the the craziness of Zoom these days um, and the the distractions and, and you know, just getting on a, a call and having there be no sort of container for the experience, I think, is challenging. And so I've gotten really creative with people and I've had people um, do chocolate tastings on a first date where I had the the guy, you know, um, find out, you know, what was a cool chocolate thing and then have one sent to her and one to him so that they could have a shared experience still around mm-hmm. something. I like that. And it kind of gave, it brings, you got to find ways to add another dimension to it, you know, because you don't have that ability to be in person. And I think that it can be sometimes also like misleading to read body language through a camera versus when you're with someone. Yeah, and I think there are some tips that we can go through you from your experience of helping clients do this, me from my own experience of being on them. But, you know, there is a way that you can set yourself up for success and to create an atmosphere that isn't weird or sterile or whatever. So, you know, that you can kind of show off a bit of your personality and you know, create kind of a vibe. And those Zoom backgrounds definitely are a no-no, in my opinion, on a date. I agree. I agree. The Zoom backgrounds are weird. And if you're not wearing a long sleeve, you know, black or navy turtleneck, like your half of your body starts disappearing. And (laughs) You're like a 2D hologram. And I'm just like, what are you hiding in that room that you can't just show me what's behind you? If you don't have you don't have one place in your whole space that is a decent background, that's a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> if if there's ever a time to to really just own who you are, what you're about, have transparency. And just fully own every aspect of yourself, even if it's like, hey, you know what? Yes, I'm on this call and I'm going to turn the camera and I'm going to show you that pile of unfolded, messy laundry on my sofa that's been sitting there for a few days. Because you know why? Things are hard right now and I don't have to show up and make it look like every single little thing about me is 100% perfect and show you this shiny vision. Like be messy, embrace the mess. Well, and you have nothing to prove. You literally don't know this person. <laughs> Who cares? And someone is going to decide that they like you more when you just show up as your authentic self. I mean, I have had several where I'm like, you know what? This doesn't feel like a love match to me, but you're really fucking cool. And, you know, we're both doing the same thing. Do you want to talk about it sometime? Like, let's hang out. But don't try to kiss me. <laughs> but you know, I mean, like 
all kinds of relationships can come out of these things. It could be a business partnership. It could be a romantic partnership. It could be the best fucking wing person you ever had because y'all are so much alike that you get each other and you could help each other. Like, you don't know. So for me, going in with zero expectations and just like playing this Zoom room roulette of just like, who the fuck is this person going to be? Like, I have fun with it, but I also get high first. And I also want to make sure people know pretty quickly that casually baked is my lifestyle. And so I think the Zoom chats are also a great way for cannabis people to test the waters on whether or not the person they're talking to is into cannabis or or not. Or maybe they're like totally against it and you don't have to have wasted a trip to the city over it. It's very true. Yeah. Finding those those common values is early on in the dynamic, I think is really important now. Yeah. More than ever. You know, I think that um, you know, where for a lot of people they're looking to match on sometimes fairly surface level things, but 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 on preferences and and don't get me wrong, I actually think preferences can be a good thing um to an extent. Um, but now more than ever, I think it's really important for one, you know, if you are in the market and you are dating and you actually really are genuinely looking for a partner, you need to get clear on what you value and you need to get clear on what your, God, I, I actually don't like using the word boundaries as much lately. I feel like it's kind of a catchphrase, but you need to get clear on your hard nose. You know, you need to get clear on those things that like, no matter what, and oftentimes when I'm working with someone, I'll ask them that, like, what are your hard no's? What are the things that you are for sure not okay with in a dynamic of a partnership? And I will question you on each and every one of those of why, because I think oftentimes a lot of those preferences or, or boundaries that we hold aren't actually based in desire for something. They're based in fear. Mm-hmm. And story. And story. And so I think it's it's really important, even if someone's like, oh, I, I don't want to be with someone who smokes cannabis. That can be um, a good thing to know. But why? What is the value underneath that that you have um, that has that not feel compatible for you? Well, and also it normally comes back to tell me the experience. Tell me the boyfriend mm. or the dad or the sibling or whoever that wrecked their life because they were using cannabis. Like it, it always comes down to some other event in their life or, or stories that they've been told. And there's so many, so many boxes that people put themselves in when it comes to relationships and they put other people in the boxes. And then we wonder why we can't get close and can't fit. So this virtual speed dating platform that you've set up, you know, that was really a crazy slash fun experience for me because I've never speed dated in my life, much less speed dated in a Zoom room. And it was so fun as someone who just loves the human experience Mm. to just see how different people show up and and, you know, what they were wearing and, you know, the the rules, because we're also weaving in these tips I talked about, you know, not having Bluetooth headphones in, like, you know, being wired into your computer and having a nice background and making sure you're dressed and things are lit properly and stuff. And, you know, my very first experience, it's all of a sudden some dude in a robe on a bed with these like satiny pillows. I was like, what is happening. And I just thought, what am I going to talk to this person about for the next seven minutes? Like, this is crazy. But he mentioned something about food. And I started talking about favorite dining experiences and the things that we miss. And those seven minutes went by so fast. And then all of a sudden, there's a new person in the room. And they're like, completely and utterly different than the last one. So, you know, I think so much of it is just going in with zero expectations and just thinking like, wow, we are in such a weird fucking spot in the world. 
and I get to meet seven different people tonight in the privacy of my own home. And I can either never speak to any of them ever again, or I might've just met my person. You know, it's like, I think that is a crazy thing that I never would have thought would have happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I never would have thought that I would see the day that I'd be doing any form of speed dating again. I used to run them in person way early in my career and it was a lot to manage, you know, and you have people sitting really close to each other and you can kind of easily suss out who's in the room. And so then you're like, oh, okay, I'm matched with this person, but oh, I can't wait to be matched with that person. And you're not as present. And so, um, you know, just to share with everyone what we're actually talking about, you, you enter into this virtual space where you're placed into a timed one-on-one uh, video call for seven minutes. Um, and at the end of that call, a little screen pops up and it says match or no match. And then shortly after that, you're taken into the next room with the next person to meet. And then once you've gone through the whole series of people, you, you get taken to a page where you can review your match selections. And then within a few hours, um, contact information is exchanged. It's been really, really revealing. I actually hadn't heard you talk about the satin bed experience. Oh, we'll have to talk yeah. about that more offline. <laughs> um, the pillows were satiny, but I was just like, <laughs> I was thinking about you saying, make sure you have a nice background or whatever. And so, you know, I framed my shot up and I'm like, oh, everything looks nice. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to, to see how different people show up in these different, you know, spaces, but you're right. But I love it because it is a great fucking story that I get to tell when people are like, tell me what's been going on in your dating life. Yeah. That's a great story to tell. I know in much more detail in person. Yeah. I know one of the things that I I really find to be beneficial about it is that so many people who are dating, you know, and I think you've even said this before. It's like it can be a second job. Oh, yes. Because you're you're matching, you're messaging, you're deciding if you want to exchange numbers, then you exchange numbers, then you're texting to figure out a time to get on a call, and then you get on a call to see if you want to get on a video call. And it's like, wow, you have a lot of touch points before you're actually in a space where you can feel someone out. And so what I love about these experiences is that in less than an hour, you're going to meet six people who are generally in the same you know, search criteria that you would find online. And then from there, you do get to let go of expectations and be like, all right, who's going to show up on this call? And just like you were saying, we've had business connections flourish. We've had romantic partnerships that are continuing to flourish. And it's been amazing to see the range that's available when people do let go and you don't know who's going to pop up on that camera in front of you. And the other thing that I try to embrace, and it's probably mostly because I'm a writer, but saying yes more than I say no, because Mm. when I say no, the story's over. So if I say yes, just like you, you know, reaching out to me about it and I'm like, why the hell not? (laughs) You know, sure. And in fact, one of the dates I ended up having from that, it was very important to me immediately that this person knew that I was, you know, into cannabis and cannabis was my lifestyle. And so I didn't give any of these people my phone number. I just had given them my email address. So I find an email from him asking, you know, if we want to have a virtual dinner, like make dinner for ourselves and then sit down and eat together. And I'm like, no, let's do what I call a reefer recap. (laughs) where I just kind of go back over my day and, you know, you can join me and we can just chat about our day and see what's going on. And, and he was just completely fascinated by my lifestyle. He asked tons of questions, but we had a a nice conversation about business and me making him get rid of his zoom background like is there a dead body in there like what are you doing get rid of that I want to see where you live because I think that reveals things about you I mean where I was sitting you could see in the background my 
slow cannabis poster and a picture of Willie Nelson for Willie's Reserve and, you know, these different things that say a lot about me and who I am and what I do. And, you know, by the end of this, we ended up having 45 minute chat close to an hour. And I felt like I really made some sort of a connection with this person. The first 10 or 15 minutes of that call, you know, where he's got the fake background and we're just kind of talking superficial shit, like that stuff doesn't work for me. And so Mm. I think another tip or takeaway is like when you do these things, like fucking be there, be in it, like give that 30 minutes or that hour to that person, because it's already hard enough that they're showing up two dimensional on a screen. I give the people that I go on dates with, I give them my undivided attention in my head. They are my boyfriend for the next hour. And I'm just trying on what it's like to be with them. And they feel that. And for me, I get to see like, does this feel good or does this not feel good? And that's how I can say like, oh yeah, it's a hell yes or a hell no, or it's work or it's nothing or it's, you know, whatever. But I, I'm able to make that decision because I've given myself to that decision for the last hour. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, along those same lines, the the other thing that I've seen that's that's becoming more and more important, and in some ways I think it's something that you normally wouldn't think about, but learning how to ask good questions mm-hmm. is important, especially, you know, if people ask, well, do you like X and Y? Do you like this? It, those yes and no questions don't really leave that much space unless someone is um, very engaged and, and, and leaned into a conversation. But it's just kind of a uh, makes you feel like you're on an interview. And I've had a lot of people say that. I feel like I'm on an interview when I'm on these things. I'm saying yes, no. Am I, am I answering the right way? And, you know, it's one of the things that I, I talk about at the events and that I learned quite a while ago is, is the difference between asking interesting and interested questions. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have this, this way of, um, you know, asking a question that makes you sound very interesting to the person. And it ends up being like more about you than it is about your attention. And then the person can kind of feel that. So if you go into something and, and it's even if it's kind of a surface level thing and it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I did my undergrad at Berkeley. Where did you go to college? You know, it's like <laughs> you're all of a sudden creating like competition and like there's all these things about like trying to put yourself into a status category instead of coming in and it being like, what's the most fascinating thing you've studied in your life? You know, it's really genuinely about the person in front of you. And I think that for a lot of people, you're going to end up revealing so much more about yourself and your values and what you care about and finding points of connection when you can learn to ask questions that aren't actually that different, but just noticing like, where is your attention? Because if your attention is fully on yourself, you're going to be asking questions from, from a place of not really leaning into to knowing who is this person in front of you and what are they all about it's like it becomes about posturing and looking cool and sounding right and that might be fun in the moment and give you your ego a little boost but in the long run it's probably not going to pan out well for you in terms of having a successful dating life yeah i absolutely agree and the idea of the big talk over the small talk and you know those questions that you're talking about i think thinking through those questions you know before you go you know out or before you meet you know what are two or three interesting questions but also pause and answer them yourself to yourself because i think so many times people get so concerned about what the person they're going to be with is like and what they like and, but they don't really know themselves all that well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just give yourself the opportunity of personal exploration before you go on these dates, because you might find that you become more interesting yourself. Yeah. 
Definitely. Definitely. And also do shit. That makes you interesting. Makes you very interesting. You know, I, I will say too, with how much we're all being inundated with spending our lives online right now. I actually, you know, one of the things that I love to find out from people right now is what are you doing when you're not online? You know, how often are you are are you able to get yourself out into nature? I think that for a lot of people, they are, this was to me already an issue that we were dealing with of people being really disconnected from their bodies and not in touch um, with that level of themselves. And it's just being exasperated right now. And so, you know, more than ever too, it's like, get outside, get your feet in the earth. You know, even if that's a patch of grass around the block and you're in a major city, you know, just finding ways to unplug, you know, so that when you are plugged back in, which is probably for a lot of us, the majority of our time, um, at least you're coming from like a little bit of a place of being connected to your own experience and your body and not just in a glazed over, okay, this is my eighth zoom call of the day. And now I have just no attention left for this, which I think ends up happening for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I think people turn into Zoom zombies for sure. Yeah. God, you've got great, great Zoom zombies. That just came out. I have no idea. I've never said that before in my life. Oh, goodness. So let's give some advice to our cannabis crew. You know, I have, I no longer put that I, anything about cannabis in my dating profile. And, you know, we've talked about that on the show before. But now that we have, you know, there's more chatting, there's more talking before there's meeting. So there's a lot more of the virtual parts to virtual dating now. So, you know, some maybe some creative ways to either suss out, you know, if somebody's cool with cannabis or how you just incorporate cannabis into the into the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of those tips, I actually think it's interesting for people, you know, I, I generally do encourage most people to stay on the apps um, if they're finding some level of success and they have the, the capacity to actually hold that experience. And so, you know, from that place, the first thing is getting really clear on yourself, getting clear on your on your values, getting clear on your desires, getting really clear on what it is that you want. And then for a lot of people, you know, they put the same profile on every app. And I actually really encourage people to have a different profile for each different app that they're on. And I think it's really important to think about what is the energy that I'm putting out there with this? You know, am I, am I putting all of my um, stats on this is who I am? These are the things that I've accomplished. This is what I want. Um, you know, are you putting something that's more artsy and creative? Are you showcasing photos of you in a certain way? And really start to have fun with playing and seeing the different types of energy that you attract from having a variety of different profiles. So maybe if it is someone who is a cannabis user, what does it feel like to really be forward with that? And what does it feel like to have, um, maybe think about why is cannabis important to you? Why do you use it? And instead of putting that out there really in a direct way, really um, play with exploring how to communicate your values for cannabis and, and the freedom and the expansion that it creates for you and the way it makes you feel and how you connect with yourself and leading with those qualities versus the directness with it. And I think that that's a fun way to, to play Yes, you A-B test your personality yes. on, the, on the dating apps. I think that's a great idea. And, you know, and I do the subtle take on mine where I think I have one of my cannabis work pictures, not that has my brand on it or anything, but it's me fucking holding a joint or something. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there is that little bit to it. But I had pulled up one of my profiles because... I don't say anything about cannabis, but somebody I had matched with after having discussion and me talking about getting ahead on production for my podcast, he asked questions. I say casually baked the podcast 
And then there is quickly a sounds like we might have opposite views on life message. And I'm just like, okay, how how did you get that from that? But, you know, so very swiftly someone can make judgments about what your lifestyle is like. And, you know, cannabis to me is mainstream at this point. Now, granted, I know I live in my California bubble, but for somebody to immediately think that I use cannabis, therefore, like I must have some weird, crazy values. We hadn't even gotten to a values conversation yet. So, you know, it's somebody might roll their eyes like, oh, how do you talk to somebody about cannabis? But I think you have just as difficult of a time telling somebody that you live a sober lifestyle. Yeah, that can be just as confronting for for people. And, um, you know, to me, it's it's always interesting when things like that are being communicated as well, because I think it's also uh, an interesting thing to think about where I, I love thinking about attention just in terms of um, where it is in the dynamic. So generally speaking, if someone's throwing a judgment at you, generally speaking, I think this happens for women often, we go even more inward. And then it's like, oh, well, why did this thing happen? And then we end up responding from an internal place around it, where it's like, oh, the the attention's on us. Now I'm going to respond from this place that's really internal um, versus getting curious in those moments where it happens and putting the attention in the spotlight, in a sense, back on the other person. Well, because absolutely. To me, I'm like, okay, you're projecting some crazy ass shit on me right now. Like, did you, did you get in a lot of trouble? Did your parents disown you for, you know, smoking weed when you were in school? Like, what happened to you? Right. But, you know, I don't know this person. I'm not that invested in it. So I'm not going to yeah. get bogged down with it. Yeah. And I think people get a lot of that right now, which is, you know, the the other thing that I would say I think is a, a, a an important tip is being mindful of when you're choosing to go on the apps. Because I think that for some people, it's the end of the day, they just had dinner, they're frustrating. And then that thing comes in where they're like, oh. I wish I had this thing. And and then they're they're kind of approaching, they're swiping from an emotional state of where they're at that can really vary. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I think it's a good thing to be mindful and pay attention 100%, to. 100%. I just had a talk with my sister on an episode of Casually Baked about this very thing, about the energy, the space that we are in, where our vibration is when we take action. So if we're in a place of feeling really shitty about ourselves and we start swiping, you know, we're not going to get anything back that's going to be people that think we're fantastic and they want to put us on a pedestal and sweep us off our feet or all, you know, all of the princessy things like that shit's not going to happen if you are in a really shitty place when you're looking so it absolutely feel sexy turn on some good music like get yourself in a good place before you swipe absolutely yeah because just like you know I think that we're we're learning right now with all different types of of social apps out there is there are these really addictive qualities that they have in our life you know, that can really have, um, I see a lot of people trapped in the dating app sphere and use it as a crutch, you know? And I, I think that that's the first thing is just having awareness. Like you don't have to make yourself wrong for doing it. Hey, if it's late at night and, and it's something that's giving you comfort, just start the first step to me is just having some mindfulness around it. Like, Oh, I'm noticing that like every night, you know, when I'm starting to feel this way or before I go to bed, I start doing this and I'm not getting good results from it. Um, you know, I, I call it like energy accounting where it's like you first just really take a look at like, what is the the climate around me? What are, what am I doing? What have I been doing so far? And just really taking a, an honest look at what that is first step before you start to try to make any changes. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. And, you know, the doer entrepreneur in me 
immediately thought about my toggle tracker. <laughs> that I, so I track how long I'm working on different projects. So I see where my time's going. How much time am I, you know, spending towards new business development? How much time is towards self-care? And as you were saying that, I'm like, how much time am I putting towards dating and finding a mate? Like, that's the other piece. Like right now, I'm so busy in in my shit that if I don't have a date, I don't think about it. I don't have time to think about it. But if I were at a place where I'm like, what the fuck? Where is he? Show up now. I would be curious how much time I'm committing to manifesting that in my life. How much time am I committing to going out and doing social things or swiping for 10 or 15 minutes or, you know, meditating on it or whatever. You know, what we're going to get back is what we put out into the world and what we say to ourselves and all of the things. So I think it's a collection of all the technical parts of dating and all the nuances of dating. But then also the biggest part is just you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just saw someone, it's actually a, a good friend of mine who, you know, he's been single for a while and he kind of tried all different kinds of, of avenues around it and did a lot of personal development work on himself. And uh, recently he kind of pulled his energy back and was like, okay, let me take a look at this. And he said for a while, instead of swiping, what he started doing was he started writing love letters. And it was almost like writing love letters like a few years into the relationship that he imagined for himself and starting to to share what he appreciated about this woman from that place. I like that. Yeah. And what the journey had been for him. And then what he did was he shared it with a group of 12 friends. And then they felt so moved by what he shared that they shared it. And I just talked to him about a week or two ago, and he said he got a hundred inquiries from women. Wow. From the one letter who were like, wow, I feel so touched by this. This is what I'm looking for. And out of that 100. What an idea. Yeah. He had, he ended up with six people that he thought you know, he was attracted to, that there were really similar qualities. And then he was working with a coach who helped him then really look at um, how to nail down, you know, like, okay, who might actually from this group now that you feel good about who, what, what would be a good way to move forward? And I just thought like, wow, there's, there's so many ways now that you can be genuine and vulnerable and unique in how you're approaching things. And I just for anyone out there listening who's feeling frustrated with um, the way that these virtual swiping and all these different apps are are not bringing you the thing that you're wanting, just know that there are so many ways that you can be creative and so many resources out there to, you know, have someone help you tweak the little things, you know, things are called blind spots for a reason because we can't see them ourselves. And sometimes with the support of someone else, it's, it's really easy to make adjustments that really change the experience that you're having. I love all of that. Yeah. Now, uh, I think that's a good place for us to wrap. Well, I want people to be able to connect with you and learn more about the um, matchmaking and coaching that you do, but also this new virtual speed dating in case people want to learn more about getting involved. So where should we send them? Definitely. So you can check out my website. It's erinbeata.com, E-R-I-N-B-E-A-T-A. You can also find me on social media at Erin Beata. And um, most of our events are, are hand-selected, but you can, through our website, create a custom profile and become a participating member, and we will send you invitations to these fun virtual live experiences. Yeah, and maybe we'll put one together that's people that are cool with cannabis and psychedelics. That's just kind of a given. We can create little niche experiences or something. Yeah, that's that's a lot of what we do is being able to pool people with um from some lifestyle choices like that. And the conversations are fascinating. 
I, I sometimes wish I could be a fly on the wall in all of these virtual video dates. All right. Well, I hope that maybe, I hope that maybe, you know, <laughs> that sounds like a wish in one hand, shit in the other statement. Maybe we'll do this again soon. You know, things have been crazy in my world, but I love Mary Jane is my guilty pleasure. And so if we can get ourselves together more often, you might see more of these in your podcast feed. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me back. It's always such a pleasure to be in the studio with you here. Yes. And, um, you know, love, love is definitely blossoming for a lot of people right now. So those of you out there, don't give up hope. And if you want to hear more of this, then send in your questions. Yes, we would love to have some more <laughs> questions. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next time. Bye. The Love Mary Jane Coleman podcast were created by yours truly and produced in the Casually Baked Studio in Oakland, California. Feedback feeds the flame of Mary Jane, so be sure to head to lovemaryjane.net and submit your sticky situation or cannabis-infused relationship question. And thanks to my highly talented friend Seth Walker for the show vibes. You can find the Love MJ theme song, All That I'm Asking, on Seth's album, Sky Still Blue, wherever you're listening to music these days. I hope you'll join me next time for more. Love. Mary Jane. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. It's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.